Yeah, praise God. Praise God. He's good, isn't he? So good. Now I've got my microphone on so you can all hear me. Good evening. My name's Andrew. It's, uh, it's great to see you all here. Thanks for joining us here tonight, um, especially if you're here for the first time or you're visiting or you're new. Welcome to you. Um, and a shout out to those of you all listening online as well. Um, so wherever you may be, whether you're chilling at home or if you're traveling somewhere or wherever you are, glad you can join us as well. We're in week three of our series, Jesus Is, and tonight we'll be exploring this statement, which is on the screen, Jesus is real. What do you think about that statement? What do you think about that statement? Is it just a myth? Did he even exist? How about his claims about being the Son of God, about that he rose from the dead, that he is the saviour of the world? Perhaps you already know that Jesus is real, but, but you're stuck in a bit of a rut, a bit of a, rough, a rut in your spiritual life, uh, that you, in your spiritual walk, that you know he's real, but maybe you feel distant from him tonight, or you know he's real, but just stuff isn't working out. So one thing that I believe is common to every single one of us here tonight um, is that wherever you're at spiritually, whether you're growing or exploring or you're just curious about all this, is that we want to know more. We want to know about Jesus, this Jesus more. At Door of Hope, our mission is to be Jesus-centred, others-focused, and we get to do that together in community. As we explore and learn, this is encapsulated in the Hope Pathway. From being a friend, then exploring, becoming a new Christian, growing Christian, and to those who are living to be Jesus-centred and others-focused, which basically identifies key steps along this journey. It's not so that we can say, oh, you're all the way down there and I'm up here. No, it's, it's to help identify where we might be at and what our next step could be. So finally, before I get into God's Word tonight, I was just having a look at this amazing painting behind me here, yeah? So that was painted by Anna Van Stralen, and I know if you're listening online you can't see it, but um, we should all check out Anna's Instagram, it's on there, um, the username is avs underscore paint, avs underscore paint. So the painting depicts a truck heading up a mountainous road, um, up a valley, very steep road, rocky valley, the truck is carrying, it took me a bit to figure this, I had no idea. The blue stuff in the back of the truck. Keep that there, Dorothy. Oh, that's all right. All right, you'll bring it back. Thank you. So I'll need that. The truck is carrying in the back a load of lapis lazuli. It's a brilliant blue, semi-precious gemstone. It's been valued through ancient times, still sought after today for jewellery, uh, mosaics, ornaments. One of the larger mines in northern Afghanistan, this, this uh, painting depicts, and it's a long and arduous road to get the prize from the mine out to the world. But it's my hope and prayer tonight that we would realise that Jesus is a bit like those gemstones, they're radiant, precious, very real, and that no matter how arduous, how long, how hard, and how difficult that road may be, his love will never fail. So I'll just quickly open in prayer and then um, we'll get into tonight. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray for all those who are here tonight. I pray you would give us 
open ears, open hearts and open minds to receive your word and I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us a strong sense and an encounter of who you are, a sense that you are real. I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, let's get into it. I've got a fair bit to go through tonight, so buckle up. Here we go. Um, Firstly, I want to touch base on the accuracy and historical evidence for Jesus, because some people actually believe that Jesus isn't real, that he never existed. Uh, Now, compared with other historical writings, the Bible is very reliable when it comes to the authenticity of the text. The accuracy of ancient writings can be measured uh, using a process called textual criticism. It looks at the time gap between the original document and the earliest copy available. The more manuscripts there are, and the earlier they are, the less doubt there is about the original. Now, up on the screen, we'll put up a a couple of examples. Now, Herodotus wrote in book Histories. Now, this was written way back about 440 BC. The earliest copy we have wasn't until about 1,300 years later. And there's only about eight copies in existence. Hundreds of years later, Caesar wrote about the Gallic War, and the earliest copy came about 950 years later, and only 10 of those original manuscripts still exist. Livy's Roman history was written not long before Jesus Christ, not long before Jesus at all, about between 27 and 9 BC. 900-year gap between the original and only 20 copies. The books of the New Testament, which document Jesus' ministry, And the very early church, check this out, they were written between 40 and 100 AD. The earliest copies began in AD 130 with full copies by 350. At the most, there's only a 300-year time gap there. Minimum 30. And 24,300 copies, including Greek and Latin manuscripts. The New Testament has been preserved in more manuscripts than any other ancient work, period, And I wouldn't expect anything less being the Word of God. There is evidence outside of the Bible for Jesus' existence as well. Roman historians Tacitus and Suetonius make reference to Jesus and the early Christians only a few decades after his crucifixion. And the Jewish historian Josephus wrote about Jesus, describing him as a wise man, a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as receive the truth with pleasure. Now, I've no doubt that Jesus existed. The historical documentation consistent from that time is very strong to indicate that Jesus Christ, the person, existed, is real. But what about those other claims? What about those other claims that he said he was the Son of God, the Messiah, the Saviour of the world? Is that real? And is what Jesus did real? His resurrection rising from the grave. And what does that mean for me? So more confirmation can be found in the Old Testament. Now, these are parts of the Bible written before Jesus Christ was born. I want to share with you a passage from the book of Isaiah. I remember the first time uh, I heard this passage, it absolutely blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. I remember saying at the time, what? What? Really? Show me. Show me. I wanted to see it and read it for myself. And this is it. It's from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, starts verse 5. I'll just go through this. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. So Jesus, yes, he was crucified, but he was beaten and whipped. And then while he was on the cross, was pierced 
Verse 6, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Further, in verse 9, he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. After he was killed and crucified, he was placed in a tomb. Only the wealthy back in the day had those type of burial tombs. And in verse 11, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible, check this out, for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. That's just one prophecy. There are over 300 others written hundreds of years before Jesus came to be. Now, could a man hypothetically read through all those Old Testament prophecies and set about fulfilling all of them to claim that they were the Messiah or they were the Son of God? Trouble with that is that many of the prophecies cannot be altered, they cannot be changed, such as how he was going to die, how, where he would be buried, his resurrection. Even the place of Jesus' birth was foretold. Now, it's a bit difficult to influence or change the location of where you were born. Only the Son of God could fulfill these. Now, Jesus' resurrection. After raising the ire of the religious leaders of the day, Jesus was arrested, he was humiliated, beaten, flogged, ultimately sentenced to death by crucifixion on a cross. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He died, yes, but on the third day, he rose again from the grave, very much alive. And this is the bit that stumps people, because humanly possible, once you're dead, that's it. That's it. But this is the Son of God that we're talking about. Some suppose that Jesus didn't actually die, but he sort of played dead and then reappeared three days later to his disciples. Um, no, definitely not. No. Jesus was flogged, then crucified. People didn't survive Roman crucifixions. And then he had a spear driven through his side for good measure, okay? And the fact that in, Rome, in John chapter 19, they observed a sudden flow of blood and water that indicates the separation of blood cells and the serum. So he was dead. He was definitely dead. Maybe the authorities stole the body. So when the disciples started going around declaring he is risen, why didn't the authorities produce the body? Or that when more than 500 people witnessed Jesus alive, or as the early Christian church began to gather momentum? No. Maybe the disciples stole the body. Well, 12 disciples, they left their livelihoods, they left their families, they left everything everything behind them to follow Jesus. All were changed once they witnessed Jesus alive again. The revelation of who Jesus was totally transformed these people, and so much so that they were willing to suffer and die themselves. All but one were executed for their faith. Now ask yourself this, would you be willing to die something for something you knew to be a lie? In the Bible, time and time again, we see people encounter Jesus and they are never the same again. And that's not just people recorded in the Bible, for that matter. All right. So we know that a man named Jesus existed 2,000 odd years ago, that he was an incredible teacher, that 
He declared he was the Son of God, performed many miracles, was crucified on a cross, rose from the dead. But the title of this message tonight is not Jesus was real, it's Jesus is real. Is real. Was is past tense. Jesus, I want to move around, but that's going to annoy me. Jesus is, is about the present and about the now. Jesus is real, not only because he lived, that he died and rose again. Jesus is real because he is alive and active and with us today. And that is what I want to share with you guys next. Before I go any further, I need to touch on a very important element. Although this message addresses the realness of Jesus, um, it also takes into, into account God and the Holy Spirit. They are not three separate gods, but they are one. Equal and eternal, Worthy of equal praise and worship, our God is three in one. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Distinct, yet acting in unity. Known as the Holy Trinity. Three, I'll do it this way. Three, which I'll try meaning three, and unity meaning one. So in John 14, we read that Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to his disciples, to his followers, before he was handed over to be crucified. Jesus told of another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth, and that he lives with you and will be in you, and that he would not leave us as orphans, but that he would come to us. The Holy Spirit, now this deserves a message and a sermon all on its own, but simply, put simply, the Holy Spirit is the empowering presence of Jesus Christ within you. It is the same power that conquered the grave that now lives in us. The Holy Spirit guides, prompts, and it whispers to us and gives us the necessary gifts, talents, and abilities to do the work God has set for us. That might sound like the stuff of fairy tales to some, but I know that Jesus is real because I and others before me, many others before me, are witnesses to the power of the Holy Spirit that he promised. While that's exciting, that's not the most exciting bit, check this next bit out. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, God makes you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. That is so good. Can I share a couple of stories with you tonight? Yeah. I'm glad no one said no. That's great. <laughs> so in this year I had the privilege of attending uh, Youth Alive Camp and conference as a leader. <laughs> For the youth, as you can tell, it's, very, it's all very exciting. And you want to talk to people about it. And sleep is often the last thing on their mind, as was the case for a few of the boys in the tent near me. <laughs> they were sharing about everything that God had done, how they could encourage one another, how they could share this joy with others. That's awesome. So, this is like for hours, right? <laughs> and what do you do after you've spoken about all of that? Talk about Christian pickup lines, obviously. Now, now, that's funny, it's okay, that's funny, but not at 2.30am in the morning, seriously, no. That's where my patience ended. So I got up, 
I crept over to their tent, with the plan being to deconstruct their tent. <laughs> Good idea I didn't do that, because that would, have been com that would have completely defeated the purpose of me wanting them to shut up and actually go to sleep, so deconstructing their tent wouldn't have worked. And, um, but in my overtired and fatigued state, as I stood next to their tent, I felt the Spirit divert my attention. What would Jesus do? So I spoke up and I said, look, I'd really appreciate if you boys went to sleep. And in that moment, as I recalled God's grace toward me, I knew all I could do in that moment was to pray. I didn't tell the boys I was going to start praying. I just started to speak and to pray over them. And I can't remember what I said. But whatever was said worked. Praise God, they went to sleep. Hallelujah. <laughs> but whatever was said did something a lot more than just a sweet lullaby. The next morning, one of the boys from the other, another group actually came up to me and he said, oh, I hear you're anointed with the gift of prayer. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, the boys have been telling everyone about the prayer you prayed over them last night. Now, hang on a minute. So Jesus used a grumpy, fatigued me, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, right, speaking through me to speak to three teenage boys and give them a tangible moment encountering God, an encounter so real that when they got up the next morning, they couldn't hold it in. They had to tell others all around that campsite. Tell others about me, about how good I am, my prayer. Uh, no, no, about encountering Jesus, how good he is, how real he is, his grace, his love, and his mercy. How good, how good. How about another one? A couple of weeks ago, I caught up with a friend for lunch, and I'd been praying to God around this time for a fresh encounter with Jesus in the lead-up um, to me giving this message tonight. And I shared this with my friend. So this is pretty cool. God answers prayers in amazing ways. And as I was sharing, my friend had this look of amazement on their face to the point where I just have to stop. I was like, what? What is it? What is it? Tell me. And my friend then produced a letter. It was a letter that I had been prompted to write to them two years ago, and they kept it all this time. My friend then went through every paragraph, it was a one-page letter, went through every paragraph, pointing out the things that had come to fruition or had specifically spoken to events that occurred for them in the last two years. Praise God. That's absolutely incredible. Not only that, but towards the end of the letter, my friend pointed out a part of the paragraph actually saying, that, that's my life verse, right? So it's a specific verse for this person that's especially representative and meaningful to their life. Did I know that was their life verse? No, I didn't. So out of, what, 30,000-odd verses in the Bible, I somehow managed to fluke picking that one. There is no way I could have fluked that. No way, let alone writing things that are to be relevant and speaking truth to, like, you know, two years down the track. This is how God's Spirit works, right? Some might say, uh, you know, that's your gifting, or I have a way with words. Now, God does give spiritual gifts to all of his children, and I praise God for that. But this letter was only by the grace of God. He put the words on my heart to write down. I just had to be obedient to his promptings. 
It was his strength that sustained me that night to keep me up until that letter was finished. His plan and purpose that's far beyond just that one letter of encouragement that he guided me to write. Now, when I encounter God like this, I don't know about you, but it makes me eager for more. I want to see more. I want to experience more. I want to share and tell others more because you know in your heart that he's real. And no, you don't have to be sleep deprived to experience Jesus. I promise, okay? I promise. I've heard some say that God or Jesus is nothing more than an imaginary friend. Well, absolutely not. No way. If you've ever had an imaginary friend in your childhood, you would know that imaginary friends, they don't challenge you, they don't inconvenience you, they don't push you beyond your comfort zone, and they equally don't fill you with awe, courage, and faith. I've got many more God moments and encounters that have strengthened and built my faith, but my experiences alone won't necessarily convince you that Jesus is real. I know, because I was in that position before, as I was exploring and wanting to find out about Jesus. I wanted to find out whether Jesus was real to me. In my life, you know, personal to me, Jesus invites every single one of us to journey with him in faith, not to just hear about God, but to encounter him. You can be convinced or you can be unconvinced, but you cannot unencounter him. You cannot unexperience, you cannot unencounter him, and the most undeniable and real encounter is this. It's the love of God. For God so loved the world, not just some, not just a select few, the world, that's you, that's every single one of you. He gave his son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Okay, so Jesus is real and God loves me, but what does this mean for me? To understand why God's love is such a big deal, you need to look at it from an eternal perspective and understand where we would be without it. I hate using the word sin just as much as what it is. But put simply, sin is our own human failings and stuff-ups. It distances us from God, and we fall short of God's holiness. God cannot allow sin into heaven because it is the complete opposite of who he is. The Jews, for thousands of years, performed and offered sacrifices as atonement for their sin. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, once and for all. First Peter chapter 2 says that he personally carried our sins in his body so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds we are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Now I've mentioned a couple of times tonight about wandering sheep and... They can be pretty silly sheep sometimes, but, and you know, get stuck in fences and all that sort of stuff. But as I read this parable, I think, you know, sometimes I can wander off like a sheep sometimes. Look at this parable as shared by Jesus in Luke 15. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after that lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I'll tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't. Leaving the 99 to find the one. God's love 
is relentless. It is utterly selfless. It's like a loving father who never, ever gives up on us. He stops at nothing to bring you to salvation. It's nothing that we could ever do or deserve. It's undeserved. It's his grace and his mercies are innumerable. My words, that they're completely inadequate, but I know his love, his real love, is at its most undeniable when we look to the cross. I pray that as we look to the cross tonight, that we will see not only the real sacrifice Jesus made to enable us to be be made right with God, but that we would also receive that. I've talked about knowing Jesus tonight, and when I look to the cross, I see the letter T, and I want to share these thoughts for journeying with Jesus, and I hope that they help some of you here tonight. So talk with him. Talk to him through prayer. Jesus tells his disciples to persevere in prayer and to pray without ceasing. It's our number one key value here at Door of Hope. And prayer is not exclusive. Everyone can pray. Prayer is not your last resort when things are looking tough. It's your first step. It's not a formal recital. He knows what you need. Come as you are. God answers our prayers not because we are good. It's because he is good. Yeah? Thank him. These are of equal importance, by the way. Okay? We have so much to be thankful for God for. We have so much to be thankful for. I, for one, I'm thankful I've got my voice back. Been on and off for the past two weeks. Thank, praise God. I'm thankful for God's mercies. They're new for me every morning. I'm thankful for Jesus and what he did for me to enable me to come into relationship with God. Thank God. Never let your complaint become louder than your praise. Trust him. Trust him through faith. We can trust Jesus because we know his promises are real. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That through Jesus we are holy and we are blameless. We be children of God. He will never leave us or forsake us. He has a plan and a purpose for us. You learn his promises by allowing yourself to be taught by him through reading his words. This is 20 minutes in the chair. Spend that time each day in God's word. That is what will fill you up. You need to do that. Spend time with him. All meaningful relationships take time to build. One way we can spend time with God is in worship and giving praise and thanks to God. And worship, that's the heart's response to His real love. And I'll invite you to join us in a moment. And in response, I want to ask you what will be your next step? Jesus is real and he requires a response. What will be your next step? If you're still exploring and figuring out who Jesus is to you, I've got just the thing. It's called Alpha. It's a great way to learn the basics of the Christian faith. Free 10-week course, free meals. So good. Very casual, no pressure, open to all. It starts Wednesday the 16th of May. That's a month away from now. Put it in your diary, put it in your phones if you're interested to do Alpha. As I said, free food all the way through, free all the way through. 16th of May. Maybe tonight it's time for you to make a real commitment. 
to say yes to Jesus, to follow him, to accept him into your life as Lord and Saviour. You have to open the door to your heart. Jesus is a real gentleman. He won't force his way in. You wouldn't have real freedom otherwise. So you have to open the door to him. And if that's you, I'd encourage you not to let this opportunity slip by tonight. Be bold. Come forward either during the next song or afterwards. You know, I am Pastor Steve, Pastor Blaine, the team, and we would love to help you on this journey so that you can discover the promises, the purpose, and the plan that God has for you. Maybe you're in a bit of a low season right now. And can I encourage you? Keep searching, keep seeking, keep praying, keep praising. Keep encouraging because I believe that Jesus is ready to move. I really do believe that, that he's ready to move in a powerful way here tonight to release real love, real power, real anointing, real healing, real forgiveness, and his real tangible presence. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Come to me, for I'm the bread of life. Come to me, for I am living water in you, Jesus, that we will find real rest and real peace for our souls. We will find real nourishment in your word that will provide real energy and real sustenance. And through living water, we will find real fulfillment and real forgiveness in Jesus. I invite you all to stand with me now as I, as I read this passage. I'll finish with a short prayer afterwards and the words, I believe they will, I don't think they will be on the screen. So, I want to encourage you, feel free to close your eyes. Unless you're listening by a podcast and you're driving, you keep your eyes open. Thank you very much. <laughs> For all those here, feel free to close your eyes and let your mind focus on the, on the words of God. It's from Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see, the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he's the first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Jesus, we stand in awe of you tonight. 
thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross for us. That you made a way for us to come into relationship with God. Thank you that your promises are real, Jesus. Thank you that you are the bread of life, that you are living water, that we can come to you with all our burdens and you will give us rest. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I invite you in this place tonight to move. God, I pray that we will not stay put, that we will take a step forward in adventurous faith here tonight, God, no matter where we are or where we're at, God, may you move us. May you move us, God, because we know that you are for us and not against us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.